0: Welcome everybody to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. I'm your host Laura Rutford, a physiotherapist, Pilates instructor and fellow hippie. We're here to talk about all things hip dysplasia, to build a community to support and guide each other through the ups and the downs. If you like the podcast, please share it and rate it. It really helps others to find it too. If you have any questions or feedback, please email me at laura at I also just wanted to let you know that I am now on Patreon with my library of hip friendly Pilates and mobility classes, my Stand Stronger program, and lots more useful hip friendly tools. If you want to have a look at this, check this out at patreon.com forward slash help for hip dysplasia, or you can find it in the link in my Instagram bio or on my website. Let's get on with the show. Welcome everybody to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. We are here today with Zandra Lee, author of Sex with These Hips. I'm so, so excited to have this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, Zandra.
1: No problem. Hi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was just telling you before um, we went live that this is without a doubt the most popular post that I've put on my social media. So I pop this post up with a picture of your book saying that we were going to have this conversation and bring this to the hip dysplasia community and it was yeah like i said by far the most popular post that i've put out in a very long time so it's clearly showing that there's a need for this conversation this information to be out there Um, so I just wanted to ask a little bit about your backstory if we may and um, for those of you who haven't read the book out there to get to know Zandra a little bit better and um, to know a little bit about your hip dysplasia story and what really brought you to write the book. Oh
1: it feels like a long story I think anybody who, who talks about the hip dysplasia story will say oh it's a really long story it's a, it's a kind of a whole life thing isn't it um it, it started with birth and not in, I, I was caught quite early, actually, with the hip dysplasia. When I was born, it was found, and it was treated from birth. Um, I was put in what I think they call it a bilateral then, bilateral dysplasia, all dis- different congenital, different kinds of names, and they put me in a nappy splint um, at the time for 18 months, which now I see all the up-to-date, I know, yeah, so my mum had to deal with that for 18 months, and in and out of this nappy splint for 18 months um and going back and forth to the hospital and I think of wow that must have been a nightmare for her but then they cleared me as healthy hips um and then it wasn't until my teens that it that it that it started rearing its ugly head I suppose I, it was pain really and and noticing that i I wasn't maybe as, as good as, as the other girls in my class in, in sports and things like that. And, you know, coming last when we were running on sports day and just so it's a little like little things that I noticed that I wasn't I didn't seem to have very good mobility, so to speak, or, or control, if you like. I was very, very clumsy and that kind of thing in terms of my hips and and they click a lot. And and then I had an injury when I was about 15 where I slipped off a stool in, in a science class, I remember it was a science class at the time. And uh, I ended up being off school for a couple of weeks. And there it began. It was just constant pain, um, niggles. I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do. And then I noticed that it was my twenties that it really started affecting my, uh, just well, everything, my mobility, my, my self-esteem, my, you know, my want to be able to kind of get out there really and, and enjoy my life like a maybe a normal, 20 something would um dressing up the way I, I just felt tired all the time and and anxious all the time and and painkillers then along came the painkillers that had a big effect on me as well so even though it felt like I was trying to get on with my life hip just held me back in terms of the pain the mobility and the fact that I was on a lot of painkillers um it really did impact my life quite a lot until you know now I'm, well, I'm past mid-30s now um but now I'm feeling a little bit better and, and, and what have you but the whole reason why I wrote that book was because I felt as though I was completely alone in terms of what I was experiencing I mean I couldn't reach out to anyone and say you know what i supposed to do in this situation or that situation and relationships generally not just going on dates or you know having a boyfriend it was Every relationship, relationships with families, them not understanding. It's it's relationships generally that I noticed that it that it impacted quite a lot. Um, and throughout, like I said, my younger years and, and dating, I, I noticed that I very much kept it separate, and I tried to mask over what was going on as a way to lead as, as normal life as I could but it, it actually hindered me a lot more than I realized when looking back and, and I've made up for it with a lot of counseling <laughs> and a lot of support from lots of different places and and then I found and realized that the most therapeutic thing that I could do was to write it down and that's what I started doing so I have diaries galore of surgeries that I've had and I've been through osteotomies and hip replacements and I think eight, I think, is in total that I've had. Um, and writing that down is what helped me. I want to say recover, but helped me learn to to deal with whatever was thrown at me. Then mm. um, I think that's probably the best way, way to deal with it. But the uh, especially the trying to realise, let's get to the crooks of it, and what what the book is called. It is called Sex with These Hips, and that that isn't what it's about. And anybody that will have read it. Um, knows that it's more it's so much more than that mm-hmm. and sex is so complicated anyway it's more than just the physical it's the emotional it's the it's you know just the logistics of the whole thing and even as, as early on as dating and what have you just all those intricacies of trying to understand how to navigate through the world and, and build and form relationships as well as dealing with the emotional impact of, of what hip dysplasia brings and a disability brings so yeah that's that's where it stemmed from I think that was really
0: where it came from. I mean it, like you said the book is so much more than about sex it's about the intimacy how you communicate with each other in relationships and I wanted to just kind of start this conversation off by telling everybody that this book is just I mean it's so so well-rounded Um, and it's It's not just telling about your experience, because it's really wonderful to hear it through your personal journey um, and to hear about how it's affected you and the things that you did about it. But what's also incredible is that you give really practical guides about things that you can do to help people work through it in their own story. So it's inspiring enough to read it about your journey, but then knowing that you've got things and actionable things that you can do within this book. So you know, when you talk about um, re-establishing a relationship with your body again, getting used to your body in a new way, again, you give practical tips for that. You give practical tips and advice for all of your chapters in the book. And I just think that's absolutely wonderful. So if anyone was on the verge of thinking about kind of buying, (laughs) having a read, I, I want you to know that there's so much practical advice as well as it being a really inspirational and knowing that you're not alone story.
1: I think I'm all, that's that's really what I what I wanted it to be. I mean, it's so easy to just, you know, say, here's a bunch of positions if you want to have sex again. It's not as simple as that. <laughs> um, and from the biggest hurdle, I think, is is from a self esteem point of view. You know, the impact that it has. Um, and when I was doing the research for this book. Um, and it was great because I got to have loads of conversations. I really, it was just absolutely fabulous. I think it was 104 people came forward and, and helped me. So there was a survey that I put out and then I, I reached out individually to, I think it was 104, it's just over hundred. And they, they were fabulous. I, I, I asked them really blunt questions and I thought, what am I gonna get in response to this? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there it was, it's, this is how it is. And the, the reoccurring theme over and over and over again was was just how it made people feel. It's not necessarily about, can I do this? Can I, you know, jump right in and, and take part, so to speak? It, it's what what goes on up there. And, and that, you know, sex for somebody who doesn't have a disability and who doesn't live with disability, that's pretty much the it anyway, isn't it? That's where it all starts is up here. So if, if up here you're in a position whereby you're feeling not very confident or you're worried or you're concerned and you think, God, look at all those scars or oh my god look at the state of my thighs because I've lost all this muscle so you know the things just flapping around down there that I'm you know I wish they weren't and but it's it's remembering that it's it's more than that and it's that's that's the bit that I found really endearing actually that it was talking to people and they were telling me such personal things and it would choke me and I just think I know that and not just because I I thought you know i was sympathetic but it was it was more from an empathetic point of view i know that feeling what you've just told me is exactly what i've been through and it you know the amount of times that i've been upset listening to people's stories um and then when i read in in groups so the facebook group that you know i'm i'm, I'm on and the discussions around sex are brilliant and some of them take them so as they should they should take them really light, light-heartedly and they just die and go yeah you know it's this and it's that but it can really bog you down and 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 maybe kind of restrict you and stop you from from involving yourself you know physically emotionally etc so the fact that a lot of people just threw themselves in and helped and 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 said you know this is how i feel this is what i did this is what you know this is what has helped me and and it was only as good as the people that that got involved really and and you know i can write my story to the cows come home and and tell you about me but the fact that everybody was involved in it I think it it made it as you as you put it more more roundly kind of written there was more to it there was more emphasis on on how it overall it affects you so that was that was really good I was really quite pleased that so many people wanted to help so that was good.
0: Great so I mean you you bring up there that you know it's something that people people don't really talk about and I really want to bring this back to something that you talk about in the beginning of the book which is that it's not talked about by a lot of people in the health profession and a lot of people feel nervous to bring up this subject and um, with their healthcare professional, whether it be their consultant, their doctor, their nurse, their physio, their, you know, anybody that's involved in their, in their journey. And I want to just really make a point that don't worry if you are feeling nervous about asking you are not alone. There are loads of people out there that are really hesitant to ask. And we're only gonna make that change by starting to speak out and starting to ask these questions to have these conversations. But there was some really interesting um, stats weren't there from your, from your book about how many people weren't asked um, or weren't given practical advice on this part of their journey and their activity going forward. So would you mind telling us a little bit more about what you found out about that? Um. It's just,
1: wow, I think was, was what I thought at the time. I just thought, this is crazy. How on earth, you are literally fumbling your way through your hip dysplasia journey as it is, trying to figure out how it works. And, and the doctors and the nurses can just say, and the physios can just say, this is what you need to do to make sure that you know, you're working your way through your recovery, but then that's it. How in, and to, to be fair as well, when I talked to my consultant about this, what do they know (laughs) how do they know you know they don't have hip dysplasia and they're also not you know any kind of sex therapist or anything like that they don't know how it affects us um so you know there's no there's no blame to be put anywhere other than just we're very uptight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're very uptight people are just very uptight and can be and and then and it's because it's to do with you it's so personal you just think oh god I can't how, how do I say this and you know I've literally had somebody when I've been in an appointment go oh, that's a reaction I get like what what would you want me to say um be careful And um, oh not just yet maybe just leave it a little bit longer Well, well how much longer and so the fact that that know there's there is nothing there is no nothing that's given and if somebody can say well actually there was this book that was written that was you know this is the advice that it gives you then I just thought what a great thing to be able to say you know refer to this or look to this and you know my ultimate aim was for for it to be kind of condensed into some kind of pamphlet that could be given out um at every person who went. So if somebody did ask that question the consultant who might be a bit shy could just go take that you know what I mean (laughs) I don't really want to talk about it but it shouldn't be the case people should be as open and, and and as easy and as freely discussing it as as we're talking about it now but it's not as easy as that it just isn't and um we're all secretly kind of interested and we'll be sitting there flicking and reading all the posts but would you sit on a bus and openly read it and, and know that people can can see you looking at it no because it's pri- people think it's private i don't think i should be doing that so mm-hmm. there's this kind of middle ground i think that we should just go oh yes we want to talk about this it's okay to talk about it yes it is carry on and and that's that's where i hope that what it would do it would aid those conversations for for people to be able to say you know this is what's best to do and this is what's best to reference so i just wish that uh, yeah if I could have done it a lot sooner for all the people that said I wish there was something sooner especially when I read those results from the statistics about how many people you know hadn't had I mean it was such a small number not like the 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 amount of people who had some kind of constructive feedback was just it was just so small and I was yeah stunned but compared to my own experience it's not a surprise um but it's just yeah not fair it's must be difficult and it is difficult so
0: yeah I always feel really honored when um, my patients ask me because in my physio practice, I do have people occasionally asking um, more intimate questions. And I just feel really pleased that they trust me enough or that the conversation is open enough for them to be able to ask. So I always feel like a little sort of like yay um, when people ask me <laughs> I'm like, yes, we've created this environment that's comfortable enough for you to have this conversation and, and this o- level of openness. So yeah, that's working. Yeah, um, that's really good. <laughs> Yeah. That's really and, nice. yeah, it gives me this little glow of excitement that um, <laughs> that happens. So um, in talking sort of in practical terms, and um, you, know, a lot of the questions on people's minds is how soon, right? So how soon should I be allowed to? And obviously this is going to vary for every single person that's at any stage of their journey, whether they're pre or post or whatever has happened. Um, but kind of getting to some sort of practical stuff, I know there's kind of like this sort of 12-week. Um, marker that's talked about um, in the book and I said that that very much varies for everybody Um, but 12 weeks seem to come up quite a lot Um, so I don't know if if that's something that we can kind of talk about a little bit more and whether people should use that as kind of like a milestone or whether actually it's just different for everybody and that's a general possible average or?
1: I think people the first and foremost is to is to protect whatever has happened in terms of surgically or injury. I mean, some people have hip dysplasia, they don't realise something happens and then they're injured. And it's like, well, actually, the reason you're injured is because you've got this. Um, first and foremost is to protect, I mean, protect, protect, protect. It doesn't mean that that's the end of, of your sex life just because you can't physically you know, put your leg behind your ear or get in a certain position. That's not what um you know that's part and parcel of what the book you know the book that i wrote was about maintaining an intimacy and not necessarily you know being able to you know jump from wardrobes or what I mean, that's not it's, it's very much about the fact that that's it's maintaining that level of intimacy that's the most important thing um 12 weeks uh i've been told six i have been told 12 i will let you in on a secret now that isn't in the book i will tell you so this is an exclusive, exclusive. For you um I tried after two weeks and successfully, I mean, well, no, it was successful. It was successful. Um, but I can't remember what happened because all I was thinking about was how scared I was. And, yeah. and I was worried about hurting myself. And um, yeah, my other half said the same thing. He just said, um, <laughs> I like wasn't we doing that for doing it's sake, just to get it out of the way because you know, and that's, yeah. It doesn't help it doesn't help all it did was reinforce that actually no I'm not ready and but yeah. it was it was fun just to see but all I was thinking of oh, don't hurt myself don't hurt myself and it was we were to talk physically if you want to know the, the specific physics it was over a, a, a physical activity it was over a table was over a table so at least I had the kind of I was able to leave oh, yeah I was there and I was over a table but it still made absolutely no difference in in because it, it was all up here. And like I said before, it was all up here. And all I was thinking was how scared I was and oh, God don't hurt myself and, and that kind of thing. So I don't recommend if you think that you are not ready, if you're limping around and you're, you know, concerned and you have genuine fears about hurting yourself, then the best thing in the world to do is to take it slow and you know, find supports and bean bags and cushions and things to put you in positions that you know that can help you, but uh definitely, definitely don't go jumping right in there thinking, yeah, let's two weeks now. I tried it and it's just it's not a good idea. Um yeah, it's not fun. That's it's <laughs> supposed to be fun, right? That's the point. It's supposed to be
0: fun. <laughs> well, thank you for that exclusive. I very much appreciate it. I'm sure people will be comforted if they're thinking, if they're around that two to four week mark and they're like, maybe I should give it a go. I'm not quite sure, but let's just try. <laughs> Here's uh, loads, things. There's
1: loads, of, loads and loads and loads of other things that you can do. And two to four cute. weeks if you're feeling you know like up here you think like, oh, yeah, I want to give it a go let's see what happens um just try lots of other things just yeah leave the the other stuff this is a woman as well it's I mean for men and I can't speak you know personally from a male point of view because I don't know what that's like um but women have to find themselves or put themselves in positions that that can be really detrimental and can actually harm you if you've just had surgery or you know and that's that's the thing so from a from a man's point of view you might be okay after two weeks you might yeah this is fine but for a woman I think depends on obviously your circumstances and obviously kind of what it is that you enjoy doing but you just yeah women women specifically maybe need to be a little bit more careful.
0: I do want to um, give a quote from the book, if I may, because this made uh-huh. me smile. And it's not its not sort of written as a kind of standalone quote in the book, but it made me smile and I needed to write it down and share it with everybody if I may. <laughs> okay. So uh, this quote says, you won't be swinging from the chandeliers tomorrow, but maybe that warm, fuzzy feeling um, you get with somebody is a good place to start. So I thought it was up. absolutely brilliant because like <laughs> you said, there are so many other things that you can do to create that level of comfort and intimacy and start giving yourself a little exposure back into that part of you and that part of your life and that part of your relationship. But it doesn't have to be going into, you know, the the most sort of difficult positions or the most difficult challenges within that. So there's so many things that you can do in the in the lead up to those things. Um, And like you said, depending on what you enjoy. So knowing that even by, I think you talk about in the book, exposing yourself to just being naked around each other or being able to have, you know, a little bit more of a kissing sesh or, you know, just being comfortable with each other's bodies again and just opening that gateway to being more intimate is probably more important as a step than thinking about jumping in at the deep end.
1: Yeah, I, I, I well, exactly, and that's that's exactly the point. Um, I, I really do believe there's, there's always a sense of... Um, loss when you're hip dysplasia that's what it always felt like to me that I just kept thinking about everything that I'd lost That I can't do this anymore and I can't do that anymore so you know when you get to a point whereby you're thinking about sex again you just think well that's what I did before so this is what I'm going to do now and you know you forget about that actually this could be a fabulous opportunity for you know broadening your horizons a little bit and thinking outside the box and and you know it can force you into a situation whereby you do do that um but yeah, it's tricky because you just remember, oh, that was really good before. I want to do that again. So you, you kind of get into <laughs> this, you know, like way of thinking that that's how it should be and that's how I'm supposed to do it. Um, but yeah, it can it can make it better. You know, change is, is frightening, but it doesn't mean that it's that it's bad. You know, change is just, you
0: know, and sometimes different. it might even be better. Right, you might discover new things or new positions that actually work even better for you. So um, it can be an exciting thing to to look into and experiment with. Anyway, absolutely. Um, so there was something else that you talk um, quite a lot about, and um, which again, enhances the intimacy um, between you and your relationship, which is conversation yeah. um, and actually being able to feel confident enough to talk to your partner about, you know, this is something that I want to start getting back into, or this is how I'm feeling about it. These are my hesitations. This is what I'm you know, wanting to try, but I'm not really sure how to do it. Um, asking you know your partner to be patient with you there's so many things that can be talked about but i don't know whether people feel confident to bring those things up and judging by some of the quotes that you put in your book from the hundreds of people that you were able to help you with the the compilation of this it sounds like a lot of people did struggle to have those conversations it's a very it's the it's the it's the single most
1: difficult thing I think I think it's okay once you've got past the point whereby you're talking and you you feel that comfortable but you know and initially and having that discussion and, and and getting to the point where you can and that you will and the words that you use it's really tricky like when I first when I first met himself as he's known in the book but I will call him Paul because that is his name <laughs> um, he he and I weren't, weren't the best in terms of communication. I mean, I'm stubborn. I'm so stubborn. I'm very stubborn. I won't, you know, I I find it difficult to admit kind of a fault or a weakness. And, and that is, that is something I'm better at now. I'd like to say, you know, just (laughs) put my hand up there and say, I am better now. I am better at doing that. And I am able to go, I can't do this. I need help. And that's one of the biggest things is being able to be vulnerable, be vulnerable and, and actually say, I want to talk about something that makes me feel uncomfortable. I want to talk about something that, that actually I'm not confident talking to you about because I literally have no idea what the words are that I'm supposed to use, you know. And and being as blunt as that about it. I mean, that's literally how I have those conversations and I I mean, I struggled. And I I would sit there and say I don't know how I'm supposed to say this. I don't know how I'm supposed to say this is how I feel or this is what I want or this is what I don't want. And, and it's the trickiest thing to to start having, you know, those conversations and to open the door to say, you know, this is this is what we're gonna do now. This is how we how we do it and how we talk. And some people aren't talkers. I mean, I can talk for Britain, but as we talk about something uncomfortable, and then it's like, oh, okay, I really gotta, you know, get put my brave coat on and 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 try and think about how well I will will you know get to that conversation and think how i'd I'd phrase it and i'm a little bit sometimes kind of whip the plaster off very quickly and a bit blunt um which doesn't always come across very well either so i just made so many errors in terms of that communicating thing you know not talking and then when talking it it feels like you know a punch in the stomach that (laughs) the way that i'm phrasing things and um yeah that's the most difficult bit it's just I think probably baby steps is, is probably the best way you know to begin with like literally it doesn't have to be that you fixed everything in one evening that you're worried about like even saying I feel really uncomfortable being naked in front of you it's not because of you it's because of how I feel you know I I feel very uncomfortable you seeing that part or you know i put on loads of weight since my last surgery and look at the state of me this is how I feel and you know that that, that majority of what you're feeling is is inside your own head and and most of the time the other person is not even thinking about that they're just thinking about the fact that there's a naked person standing in front of them you know that's that's (laughs) what generally happens but it's just it's just easy to to focus on all the things you're scared about and all the things you're you know things again with the fear it's just always comes down to fear um it freezes us um and verbalizing that is tricky verbalizing your insecurities and your fears is quite
0: yeah, it's a tricky thing to do. I think being vulnerable is one of the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. It really is. Opening up yourself to to criticism or to just hearing those things that are the things that you fear most about yourself and fearing somebody else thinking those things too. Um, but like you said, just being able to open up that conversation and starting the conversation with something like, I want to talk to you about something that I feel really scared about or that I feel really vulnerable about, and I don't really know how to say the words, is a really great way to to start that off with the pretense that, okay, if I am a bit blunt or I say something that doesn't come out the way it was intended, there's there's not been that negative intention behind what I'm gonna say. So no matter how this conversation goes, I want you to know that I'm in a really vulnerable place and I'm trying to be really brave by having this conversation. So I think the way that you phrased that as an introduction to having that conversation is really wonderful I think it really sets a great scene um for them knowing that you're vulnerable so they'll be more gentle um because of that but also knowing that whatever you say you there's good intentions behind it so I think that's really amazing as a conversation starter
1: well that's good I mean I, I hope that it would in some way help but then you know it took me quite a few years to be able to figure out that's probably the best way after quite a, a few kind of cross words about can't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> I can't believe you phrased <laughs> yeah. it that way. Um, so you know, it is it is always best, and and it's, it is a very good way, like you say, to to start. You know, frightening, frightening, but worth it. Totally worth it. You'll feel like you've just had the world lifted from your shoulders to be able to say, you know, this is how I and it, how I feel now, and, and it will make such a difference to a relationship. You know, on a completely different level, and then ultimately from a physical point of view, it helps that as well, because you just feel so much closer. So that's, you know, it just it just helps in so many ways,
0: really does, it's, it's good. Absolutely, so um, getting into a few more of the practical tips within the book, there's um, a section where we talk about the relationship with our bodies, um, and you give like this kind of, um, instructional guide to the things that you can do like looking at yourself in front of a mirror um, and sort of tracing the outlines of your body um, and making sure that you know and appreciate and can see every part of you Um, which I think is is wonderful but I can also imagine how difficult that is to do the first few times like to stand there and actually look at yourself from head to toe acknowledge every body part I can see that that would be something that's really challenging to do. And I'm gonna challenge myself to do that this evening after having had this conversation, right? So, um, and just see how that feels to do. But I can also see that once you've conquered that initial difficulty and that fear of seeing all the things that you don't like about yourself, but learning to try and accept them once you've got through doing that the first few times and that starts to become easier and easier this is obviously a process you've done yourself did so was that a really good confidence builder for you it sounds might sound the way that I'm phrasing this
1: again I'm saying the way I'm phrasing this it might sound odd it's it's because you don't look that it makes it worse it's because you're not looking so Mm -hmm. you think in your mind you're thinking I know that part of my body's there, I know that part of my body there. And the second that you look in the mirror and you the first thing you do is you zone in on that bit that you know you yeah. don't like. And that's the thing. It's about looking at the the bigger picture, you know, looking at the whole package and not just focusing in on that one aspect or that one area or multiple areas of, of things that you just feel uncomfortable with. But you know, I when I looked, I thought, what are you expect what are you expecting to see? What you know. Some airbrushed version of of what you think you should look like, you know. And I once saw this um, quote. it was on social media somewhere, and it said that you know, at the end of of my life, what do what do I want to look like? Do I want to look like somebody who's you know been airbrushed, or you know is coming out the other end and you know has had all this work done and looks you know very kind of taut everywhere? Or do you want to look like you've you know ridden all the rides and you've you know you've been out there, you've seen everything, you've enjoyed everything. And I think that's that's the impact of life, isn't it, on your body. That's what happens. And and ultimately when I stand there now and see um that I've got a lot of scarring as probably a lot of people have, but I don't see it as something that is this awful thing. I see it as this thing as wow, look what I went through. Look what I went through. And You know, and I've been in the situation recently, I've started kind of doing more exercise and I'm trying to make the atrophy kind of not as bad because it got very bad at one point, especially in my thighs and my legs. And um, so I'm working with a group of ladies at the moment that started during lockdown to kind of help me build that back up. And I felt brave enough to go, you know, this is because we would like showing body parts. And um, it was a case of just saying, well, this is what this is what I've got going on. And I show, showed my friend and she was like, oh, my gosh, how far does that go down? And I was like, well, I'll show you. <laughs> that's how like, well, far that goes down. And they are like, wow, that's, that's, massive. you know, that's a big part. That must have been something, you know, quite awful that you went through. And, and I thought, yeah, and I did it, you know, so many more times after that. And that's, that's something that's amazing for me to be able to say that, that I got through and came out the other side and, and how far I've come, and what I've fought for, because ultimately that's, I'm fighting for my own life, I'm fighting for my own independence, and I'm fighting for, you know, to carry on using this body for as long as I possibly can, and in the best way that I possibly can, so to stand there and to be able to, to look at yourself, your raw naked self, you know, that's tricky at first, but if you can walk around the house, and go make yourself a cup of tea, maybe shut all the blinds, With nothing on, just be comfortable. I just, I would highly recommend it. It makes you feel
0: a lot better. Absolutely. (laughs) Brilliant. So, um, I mean, again, you were mentioning there, like the things that a lot of people with hip dysplasia have to overcome. A lot of that is um, pain, you know, chronic pain, pain on a daily basis. A lot of people with hip dysplasia are in pain on a fairly regular basis. Um, And there is a section in the book where you talk about sex as a painkiller. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people look towards this is something to be nervous about and something that might cause pain. And don't get me wrong. There's probably going to be occasions where you're trying something that is painful every now and again. Um, but when we look at the, the pleasure and the happiness and the physical chemicals that can be released as a result of this pleasure, you can look at sex as a pain relief strategy is what you talk about in the book so would you mind talking about that a little bit (laughs) um ultimately um, ultimately yeah I mean obviously it's a very very good it is a good
1: painkiller and I've had periods of time whereby I've not even thought about that pain or something's happened from time to time you know when I've been having sex or you know when I've been with Paul I've been like oh god that hurts and I just think quick move past it carry on and and you know get back to where you were kind of thing and how you're (laughs) feeling and that does happen and from the outset the biggest hurdle is getting past the point that you think I'm in pain right now and the last thing I feel like doing is that and I think that's that's the biggest sorry I've got an interruption of my little pooch down here letting himself in (laughs) 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 Um, I've got so you get to that point where you think can I or can't I or you know and it's it's so difficult because you think I can't can't even get up very well in the morning so how on earth am I going to put myself in the frame of mind to even consider this um but we do get ourselves into these routines of what we think help us and and those routines are normally things that are distractions so whether you're watching kind of box sets on the tv that you're trying to kind of get rid of you know the idea of your pain or doing other bits and pieces that you think distract yourself from and, and I honestly believe one of the, you know you can get yourself to that point whereby you're getting to the point of yes i can get past that initial i'm not sure if i want to it does become something that sounds terrible to use it as a routine but it does become something that you're used to doing you know as opposed to just thinking i don't want to do this i can't you know i don't even want to think about having sex right now because i feel so bad and every time then that it comes up you instantly just think nope nope i don't want to do it no i don't want to do it and you know like anything, like chores in your home, you know, every time you think about doing, oh God, you don't want to do that.
0: Procrastinate.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and that's what it ends up becoming. But you know, with a chore, all you have done is after is that you've got no chores to do. But ultimately, what you've got from investing a bit of time in 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 the intimacy and and the act of actually having sex and and building on that and building on that relationship is joy, is happiness, is pain you know pain free moments um it does happen it does exist um it makes you feel better and 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 also makes there's there's an element of feeling loved feeling wanted feeling you know we all need that we all all of us need that and we all want to feel that way so it is it's a worthwhile investment to get to the point whereby you can look past so tricky and i remember i'm thinking about it now and i just think it was so tricky but it's it is worth it and you can get to the point whereby you know it doesn't necessarily mean as we were talking before like the, the swinging from the chandeliers but getting to points whereby you are intimate and you are alone and you're enjoying those periods of time of that nice feeling that you get that's what that's what you want um i have remembered times you know where that has happened i have remembered awful times where awful things have happened as well and and the majority of people will tell you about all the horrible things that ever happened to them when they tried to have sex and if you ask that question um and when people post things on groups as well you know support groups i look sometimes to see you know what the response is and it still saddens me when people go i don't even think about that and i just think oh god oh my god it breaks my heart a little bit because you know I just think what an what an absolute shame what an absolute shame that that's what you, you just don't even want to think about it you know because it's just it's too difficult or it's you know because you've just got to go get past that hurdle and it is just getting past that hurdle um yes yeah, that it makes me a bit emotional actually just thinking about it because it's not it's not a nice position to, to feel like something that should come so naturally and does come so naturally and 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 yet it's something that that can be feel like it's just unattainable but it really isn't it really really isn't it just takes a little bit of bravery and just a little bit of courage to just step right in and just think okay I'm going to try something you know yeah
0: I mean that brings me really nice to uh, another um, section in the book but I just wanted to read out a few quotes from people and um, if that's okay so there's um, a chapter that starts that says breaking the mental block um, so there's a list of some quotes that come through and I won't read out the names that go through, but um, just you started by saying, do any of these sound familiar? So I just wondered for some of the people listening, you know, just so that you can hear some of the other things that people are saying. And yes, they do sound familiar and you are not alone. Um, and there are some really, really cool tips that could help you just break down those boundaries to be able to to get this part back. So let's just read out a couple of days. So. Um, we've had to stop having sex several times because the pain was too unbearable. It left me in tears. It made me feeling like a complete failure. Um, I'm scared that I'm not good enough. It affects sex because I get worried that it will hurt me. My scars and weight gain have affected my self-esteem. I suffer from anxiety because I know that sex is hard for me and it feels more like a chore than something that I should be enjoying. I've been single for as long as I can remember. It's easier than having to explain it to a date. My partner thought that I'd lost all interest in him and we started to become distant. So when I read that list of things that people were sending to you um, when you were doing your research, again, it made me really sad and emotional um, to read that people are having those difficulties within that side of their relationship. Um, And that's why I appreciate your book so much, because it does, it's not, Like you say, this isn't the Kama Sutra for hip dysplasia people, right? So this isn't just about, okay, bam, there are the positions that you can use that are going to be good for you that aren't going to end up with you dislocating your hip. The reasons that people are having these issues and struggling to find that intimate part of their relationship is all down to fear, right? So you have this whole chapter on fear. Um, And I just really appreciate the time that you took to really research this and give people that understanding of how to break down those boundaries start creating that level of intimacy from the conversations that you can have the kind of scripts that you can use to introduce that and how to to work yourself in so gently it's not those sex positions that you have which are wonderful by the way and you use a great physio that helps with all these exercises there's some really great practical advice and towards the end of the book for that stuff um but you're never going to get to those if you haven't dealt with the fear, the vulnerability, the conversation, right, so, um, yeah, I just, I just thought it was an absolutely wonderful book, I've had so many people talk about it, and I was just absolutely thrilled that you were happy to come on and have this conversation, um, and to open this topic of conversation with people, so thank you so much.
1: No, it's absolutely, I I appreciate the invite, and I'm so pleased to hear that that's how it's been received, that's literally what I wanted, that's literally, you know, to, to to hear you say that or to hear others and when I read kind of a review or somebody has said I've got this and it is amazing and and I just think wow what you know it's what a lovely feeling for me but thank goodness thank goodness that that somebody's found it useful and and somebody felt that way and and I, I never did I never had that feeling I never had that feeling of I found something and it's and it's and it's what I need to hear and it's what's going to help me it's something I had to figure out all by myself as many other people have so Mm. brilliant I'm really pleased and happy to to hear that so
0: cool I also think as well it can be um obviously you've written it you know to do with your story and to do with hip, hip dysplasia specifically in mind but I also think that it can go across um disabilities or different areas of you know trauma or um different surgeries in different areas and so much of the book is not to do with the specifics of hip dysplasia specifically, right? Again, they're to do with the emotional and um, intimate side of being in a relationship and dating with a health condition. So I think it's really transferable. So yeah, if you're thinking, well, you know, I'm listening to this, but actually I've got an issue or I've got a friend that's got, you know, a shoulder issue, or, you know, some had spinal surgery, or it's just something like that. It's really transferable skills. And it's not just to do with hip dysplasia. There's so much more that you can take from this book. So um, as anyone can probably see from watching me talk about it, I'm very much a fan. Um, So so, uh, yeah, really highly recommend the book. Um, And yeah, I just can't thank you enough for coming on and having this conversation with us today. Um, Absolutely, my pleasure. (laughs) I did wonder if anybody um, is interested or perhaps you might think it's a good idea based on some of the information that you've given in the book um, and the stuff towards the end, whether anybody might be interested in having a Pilates class that is specific, specifically geared towards being more confident with some of those movements positions Um, as a introduction off the back of this interview. So what would you think about, um, about me doing that? I think that's fabulous what a brilliant idea yeah
1: I mean there's there's a lot to do within the book as well about exercise and what a difference it makes I mean I'm a massive advocate of that I mean you've literally got to keep trying and trying and trying and trying when it comes to exercise and hip displays here and and keeping yourself strong so anything that you can do that keeps yourself strong anyway is brilliant but anything that you can do that keeps yourself strong that helps in terms of your more intimate moments then even better so absolutely I think that's fabulous
0: wicked I will work on that and over the next few weeks and keep you posted all right let's wrap this conversation up then but um is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners just before we wrap up for today um
1: no I just I appreciate the the time to be able to talk about it and and the fact that uh, so many people it's just been so you know gratefully received it makes it really does warm my heart and going through that whole process with all the the people that came forward um It was a very memorable time in my life. It did take quite a few years to put together that did in the end, but it was totally worth it. And just keep talking, keep talking and keep bringing it up as a subject. And, and, you know, don't let people shy away from it. You know, be that brave person that brings it up. If you're ever in an appointment or with a friend or even with your other half and you think, should I do this? Should I say it's The the talking part is ultimately where it all starts. So keep talking. Best place to start.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week again with another inspiring and incredible guest. If you'd like to be on the podcast and come and share your story, then please just send me an email at laura at com. You can also find me on Instagram at laura.ratterford or by searching help for hip dysplasia and send me a message on there. I really look forward to speaking with you. We'll see you again next week.